0: you had a good weekend. Hope your family gathered around uh, the Word of God yesterday. Spent some time in worship together. (coughs) I hope you've got a copy of God's Word. And uh, you'll look with me this morning as we spend this week also in the Beatitudes of the Old Testament. And I'm going to take you this morning to the first Psalm, Psalm number one, which is the gateway, they call it, to all the rest of the Psalter, to the rest of the Psalm book. Uh, it's interesting um, that the very first word in the first verse of the first Psalm to the entire book of Psalms is the word blessed. It's the word we've been looking at all last week and that we'll look at all uh, this week. Uh, Kind of interesting, let me show you, while folks are still gathering uh, to get here, um, let me me show you that Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are basically uh, anonymous. We don't know who wrote them. However, Psalm 2 in Acts chapter 4, verse 26, uh, it is David who is stated there, uh, I believe it's Peter speaking, uses a portion of Psalm 2 and attributes it to David. So you have to wait all the way to Acts chapter 4 verse 26 where it uh, talks about um, this Psalm, Psalm 2, as being a Psalm that David wrote. Psalm 1 we don't know. Um, we don't have it's not told to us who wrote it. Uh, but it opens up the entire book of, uh, of Psalms here. And it's interesting because uh, the difference in Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, they kind of go together. Psalm 1 begins with a blessing and ends with a curse. Psalm 2 opens with a curse and ends with a blessing. Psalm 1 tells you what the godly meditate on, And Psalm 2 tells you what the ungodly meditate on. So the two Psalms are are very interesting, and it's uh, an interesting way that the Holy Spirit opens the whole of the book of Psalms with the word blessed. Now, some people say uh, that the psalmist starts off on a negative tone, and he's saying, blessed is the man, and this is what he does not do, and that's a negative. I think it's a positive. I don't think it's a negative at all. I think it's an incredible way to point out the positive side that a blessed man is a godly man, and a godly man knows what to say no to. And that's not negative. That's incredibly positive. So if you've got your Bibles ready, and uh, you want to look at this with me this morning, just some devotional thoughts. He's going to give you, I think, the best definition of blessed. The beatitude, this is the beatitude of character. He's going to talk about what is the character of a man that is called blessed. Uh, and he's going to give you the definition of blessed, I think, in verse three. So last week we started off, this time last week, I was looking at the word blessed, uh, and, and beatitude, uh, as we looked at that, now he comes this morning and he's going to give you his definition of what it means to be blessed. So we'll get to that in just a moment, but let's start up in verse one and the whole of the Psalm is divided into two parts. The first three verses and then verse four, five, and six. Um, that's where you draw the line. You've got the blessed man, and then you have the wicked uh, man, beginning in verse 4, 5, and 6. Uh, the, the whole of the psalm, though, is this. Is will you listen to the voice of life, or will you listen to the voice of death? Um, that's kind of what's being stated here. Which voice are you going to listen to? All of life, all the voices that speak to you in life, boil down to these two things, the voice of God or the voice of anybody else. So let's begin. Blessed is the man. Now there are three clauses here, and they're very interesting. This to me, as much as anything, shows me that scripture was inspired by God himself, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, The economy of words um, the way this is stated, no, nobody, but God, uh, can speak this way in such a concise way, in such a brilliant way. There are three clauses here in these three clauses. What you have is you have three different descriptors, um, and you have, um, this whole digression that is taking place. Uh, the first clause, um, It digresses into the second that digresses into the third. In other words, each clause that follows gets a little worse, gets a little darker. Now, here it is. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. That's the second clause. Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. That's the third clause. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, when you come to the word wicked, I think the King James translates it ungodly. Now, that word implies somebody who is not out and out rebellious, but it does speak of somebody who is, um, they, they just are not out and out evil, but they dabble in the things that are uh, on the, on the edge, uh, things that are uh, not in God's will, but they are not gross in their sin. They, they, they walk that fine line is what he's talking about there. They deal in uh, half truths. Let's say, I can remember my mama telling me years ago, she said, son, let me tell you, a half truth is a whole lie. Well, that's this person. You wouldn't look at them and say these people are just absolute pure wickedness, but what you would say is these these people are shady. Uh, They're kind of sleazy. Well, he says that the blessed man does not walk in the council. Uh, He doesn't move around in those circles where they give their advice, where they pass on their understanding. Uh, where they are dealing in these half-truths. He said the blessed man, he doesn't walk around. Now the whole, whole concept of walk there is the settle, is the unsettledness. He, he's restless. He, he's moving around, but he's listening. He's hearing. The, the danger of that is the influence of listening to ungodly people. People who deal not really in truth but who deal in half truth, who deal with things that are, are shady, we would say. Now you're going to watch the digression here. There's going to be a step down. He comes and he says, nor does he stand in the way of sinners. Now standing means a fixture. It stands there. It's, it's been affixed there He's, he's kind of settled in. There's no longer the restlessness moving around. I, you know, I'm restless when I hear things that are not exactly right. When I hear something that's, that's, that's not exactly the truth, I'm, I'm restless about it. I may not be able to put my finger on it. I may not be able to say, well, this is what the problem but there is enough of the Holy Spirit in me that keeps me restless. Well, here you kind of shut down the voice of the Holy Spirit and you begin to be a fixture. You stand there in the way. Do you see that word way? It can mean path, but it can also be translated as habit. Who stands in the habit of sinners. Um, that person now is in outright rebellion against God. That person now is someone who is uh, completely and totally in open rebellion. In fact, that word right there was used to describe those that were in Sodom, and it stated they were exceedingly sinful, So he says now he's gotten settled in. He's listened to where it's begun to have an impact on him. And young people, let me tell you something. That's where you need to stop it. You need to cut it off right there. Don't even listen to it because it will eventually lead you to the place to where you you stand in what they are standing in. You're standing with them uh, in the midst of their sin. Now you come to the third digression nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Um, The scoffer here to the psalmist is the worst of all. And I'll describe it to you this way. Um, It's a person who does not just sin in private, but they go out and verbally in public encourage other people to sin. But there's a second aspect to this. A scoffer is one who absolutely cannot stand anything that is right or of God. Now, let me, let me just give you an illustration. Uh, here in, in recent months, uh, there have been those who are so pro-abortion and so pro-abortion-related issues that they have taken celebrities, have taken to television, they've taken to campaigns to go out and to talk about the joy of abortion. Now, I want to tell you something. Uh, Abortion is murder. It's the taking of a life. Medical science says that, but I didn't need medical science to tell me that. The Word of God tells me that God is the author of all of life. And when he says to Jeremiah, I knew you in your mother's womb, he, listen, let me tell you, he is saying life begins there in that womb at the moment of conception. Where else could it begin? When else could it begin? But there are these celebrities that have gone out and they talk about the joy, how wonderful it is. It, it, it's like going on a vacation. And they talk about how it has furthered their career. Get an abortion. Have a career, get an abortion, uh, make more money, get an abortion, have a great big celebration. It, it, it's the most ludicrous thing. Only Satan could dream up making a celebration of murder. Well, that's what a scoffer is. He says he comes to the place where he sits. Now he has settled in. It has become a settled way of life. He sits in the seat. That word right there just takes me to Revelation chapter two, where the Lord Jesus says to the church at Pergamum, he says, you dwell where the seat of Satan is or where Satan's throne is. So he says the blessed man, he says no to all of that. He won't stand and listen to the counsel of the ungodly. He's not, he, not going to walk around in the council of the ungodly. He's not going to stand in the, in the habit or the way or the path or on the street corner where sinners stand. And he's not going to sit in the seat of those who go public with sin, who come out of the closet and make sin to be as if it is righteousness. But his delight now here's the turn right here. In verse two, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates. When he speaks of his delight, it's gotten down into him. It speaks of how it impacts him emotionally. Delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates. Now, listen, let me tell you, it's one thing to obey the law. It is quite another thing to delight in it. To love it. Well, I'll obey that rule because I have to obey that rule. No, I obey that rule because I delight in the Word of God. I love the Word of God. And He meditates on it, that's His will. He makes Himself come and sits down and He meditates. He thinks about, He reads through, He carefully works it at at planning out how He studies the law of God. Now, let me tell you, there are a lot of folks out today that'll give you a good word about the word of God, but they are, there are very few who actually sit and study the word of God Oh, we'll talk, we'll say great things about the, oh yeah, we believe in the inerrancy. Oh yeah, we believe in the sufficiency, but there are very few people who sit down and take the time to invest in studying the word of God. That's why I'm doing these devotionals more than anything else. I hope if I don't get but one person out there to seriously begin to make a habit of sitting down and getting in the word of God and thinking about what God is saying to you, that's, that's what he says, this blessed man, a man who has real character, who has a beatitude of character. He's blessed is the guy who is in the word of God. It's not something trivial to him. It's not a boast he makes, but it is in the quiet place of very much a part of his life. Now, let me get to verse three and let me show you because this really defines, and I'll, I'll move on through this quickly. This really begins to define what blessedness is. Here's the prominence. He is like a tree. You look out of here, you can see these trees. They're prominent on the landscape. In fact, when you look out there, you can't see anything but the they, they 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 build the background there. A man who loves the word of God and who is blessed in his character, he's prominent in this in this in this culture today. Uh, there are very few men of real character left. He's prominent. Number two, he's permanent. He's planted. There's a root system there. It speaks of stability. He's not just blown about these trees. I've seen storm after storm come through here. These trees, let me tell you something. They they sway with the wind, but they stand. There's a stability to it because there's a deep root system. There's the permanence. There is the position. They're by streams of water. This is right here on this lake. These trees, they've got a they've got a position where there is a nurture. Uh, This past summer, there was pretty good drought here, uh, and yet all of this stayed. Why? Because it has a source right here. You have a source, and the source is the Word of God. Let me give you the fourth thing. It's productive. It yields its fruit. It's productive. In its season, propriety. That is, it bears its, its fruit in season at the right time. Propriety. In season gives you the indication that you've got a sense of God's timing. God's timing is critical in your life. When do we do this? When do we do that? When do we do the other? It comes in the timing of God. How do you get God's timing? You get God's timing by spending time with God. It's the only way you can get it. Then you come to uh, perpetuity. Its leaf does not wither. it's it's always evergreen. It doesn't dry up and turn brown. It doesn't fade away. And then comes the prosperity and all that he does, he prospers. Now, verse three gives you the definition of what it means to be blessed. A man who is blessed as prominence, permanence position. He's productive, the, the timing, propriety, uh, perpetuity, and prosperity. That is how God blesses a man who has a love for his word. It's something on the inside. You see it on the outside, but it's not just external. It is internal. It is deep. It is real. I don't know if you remember, season one, episode 16, the beauty contest. Founders Day in Mayberry, uh, they're going to hold a beauty contest, and they appoint Andy to be the judge. Do you remember that? Ellie, you know, he makes an offhanded statement to Ellie, oh, don't worry, I'll pick you in the end. And she gets all upset about that. If you pick me, I'll never speak to you again. And then of course, then begins the parade of all the mothers and all the uncles and all the dads who want Andy to pick their daughter. Well, up comes the time for the contest and for Andy to pick the person who is going to win the beauty contest and become Miss Mayberry. Well, there's a little old lady there that's been working with Andy. She shows up, she says, Andy, I'll help you with it. She plays all the music. She rehearses all the girls. She sets the thing all up. She sews the cape that's gonna go on Miss Mayberry. And in the end, you got it. It's Miss Irma Bishop. And uh, Andy says, here is the most logical choice. He says, there's beauty that is on the outside, And beauty that is on the inside. And he says because, and I love this phrase. He says because you have, you have behaved so beautifully. For behaving so beautifully. He picks Miss Irma Bishop. And of course Ellie comes up and says that's right. That's the right choice. All the other girls fall apart. Here's a man who behaves blessed. He loves the Word of God, and it's not just a show on the outside. It is real, spiritually, internal blessedness. Blessed is the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his or her delight is in the law of the Lord. And on God's law, he meditates day and night. God bless.